and welcome to the Everyday Board Game Podcast with your hosts, Daniel. And Daniel. You know, Daniel, I really think we should eventually record me saying that, so that way I don't <laughs> have to... Well, you know, it, I add in a little bit of variability every time. No, 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 it's, yeah, no we're not pre-recording it. We've already hit the commitment where yeah. it's like, nah, it's fine. It's, we'll, this is we'll what, our third year, fourth year recording, basically, because mm-hmm. we recorded all 2020, 2021, 22, and 3, so yeah, it's the fourth year of recording. Yeah. So, we've already committed to it, we're sticking with it. <laughs> Alright, fair enough. Well, today we have a fun episode, we're going to be doing one of our board game breakdowns, one mm-hmm. of our patented board game breakdowns. Yep. Not patented, we don't have a patent on no, it. I don't think don't. you could patent a th- concept. You well, can copyright you, a concept. You can copyright it, or like a, a title, you know, <laughs> trademark yeah. it, you know. Yeah, well, but even anyway. then, that's a, bit, that's a bit of a struggle, too. Yeah, but speaking of a, a title that's well-known, almost as much as our board game breakdown, we're breaking down Days of Wonder games. It's been a while since we've done a publisher. I was doing it, like, the last one we did was Best of all Art. That's the first time we ever done an artist. I'm like, that's right. Uh, we had Daniel Solis recently, um, where he broke down his games. I'm like, man, what, what haven't we done in a while for this? Yeah. And then we were talking about it, I'm like, Dude, we haven't done Days of Wonder. How yeah. have we not? How have we not done Days of Wonder? Right. Exactly. Like, it's, it, it makes... It, it doesn't make sense that we haven't d- talked enough about it. And I think that's because recently they had kind of a slump of games. You know? That's true, There's too. There's some good ones coming out um, and planned. But they, they're a very interesting company in how they work. Mm-hmm. Especially as I was going through this to set everything up, I was like... Oh, this is where they started triggering the once a year type thing because yeah. there is a couple in there that was like in the same year. Yeah, exactly. There was a couple. There was a couple. So we'll we'll talk about that in more details later on. Um, today, very easy episode. Mm-hmm. We are going to be talking about some of the board game news that's been happening. Now, again, we are not a news source. You know, take our take our information with a grain of salt. Yeah. We did get them from other news sources, so the, some of which you've probably heard before. But yeah. You know, our goal is stuff that piques our interest. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it's just like, this is something we've heard or we're looking into. And it's like, you know what? This is, it would be intriguing for this kind of stuff to be seen. That's right. So you have four pieces of news. I have four pieces of news. Let's start off with our coin of doom since we're not going to be able to do that really during this episode. <laughs> yeah. Starting with you? Starting with me. So the first piece of news I wanted to talk about was I saw that um, Antoine Bowser, who is a pretty well-known designer, mm. um, he... He's made um, Hanabi, is Tokaido, Tokaido Takenoko. Those are kind of his, like his big names. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's made a few others here and there that have gotten pretty well. Well, him and um, I don't have his name listed down, but he's one of the founders of Repos Productions. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're going in together to make their own board game publishing company, mm-hmm. which I think this is the first time he's been an actual publisher and not just a designer. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen him, like, publish anything or, like, had time. Well, no, because he's part of that one group where there's, like, a bunch of four or five yeah, French, French designers. designers that work together, but I don't think they have their own publishing right. company. They no. just work together. Yeah, they're just, like, a design crew and stuff, yeah. and they like to work together a lot. So, uh, the company is going to be called Playpunk. Um, they've announced that some games are going to be, I think, remakes, and some are going to be um, brand new games mm. that are some big, some small. I do so like we'll the new logo. It was a pretty neat logo. I didn't actually see the logo, so yeah. we, we might have to do that later. I have to but, show it to you later. Uh, yeah, yeah, but that's that found interesting. I was actually thinking about it the other day. I was like, I didn't, I haven't heard about any games that uh, Antoine Bowser has came up with lately, uh, and apparently this is why. Um, at least this is my assumption. Maybe he has, and I just haven't been following him enough. But 
That might be an idea for a future breakout episode. I, I get him mixed up with, uh, no, that's the Bruno Sosa, Fiduti and Cathala, but yeah. I sometimes get uh, his messed up with uh, Fiduti as well, just yeah. because both of them kind of hit in the same category for me, and like right. some of their games are really fun, some of their games are kind of eh. Eh, yeah, exactly. So that's what we're going to be looking into, so that should be fun. Um, I'm curious to see what games they come out with, but that's that's the first piece of news that I have. Well, and it's interesting, too, because we're, we're also seeing, like, a lot of companies go out, and mm-hmm. then you're seeing new companies come up, and it's the way of most things, but, yeah. like, uh, who was it just recently um, just closed their doors? Um, the ones they did, uh, Encyclopedia, I think is who it was. They just oh, shut down. Oh, Holy Grail Games? Yeah, Holy Grail Games just shut down, now we got Playpunk coming up. Right. There's another company that just shut down their games, and uh, there was another announcement of another gaming company coming out, but mm-hmm. I don't remember what it was. But my first piece of news, uh, mine is more along uh, the crowdfunding. I do a lot of backing and stuff like that. That he does. Um, that he does. On GameFound or Kickstarter, more recently, backer kit stuff as well. But I found this interesting when this was announced um, because I mentioned the Kickstarter stuff, like or the, the crowdfunding stuff. But we don't really talk a lot about the um, pledge managers. No. There are six companies have gone exclusive pledge manager pledge managers to GameFound. Because you have like Jetbacker, you have GameFound, you have Kickstarter as a, a, a pledge manager as well, or BackerKit was, that's how yeah. they started as well. So you have all these choices. Well, these six companies have decided they're exclusively, they can Kickstart or crowdfund anywhere they want. However, they are exclusively using GameFound as a pledge manager uh, exclusivity. Uh, Arcane Studios. Uh, this one is not a gaming company, but I found this one interesting as well. Geek and Sons, the tape, board game table people. Mm-hmm. Uh, not all play, but the the, the originators of the, the uh, crowdfunding board game tables, Geek and Sons. Yeah. Uh, Flatout Games, Van Ryder Games, Open House Games, and I'm not familiar with this company. I looked into them. They're a mentors company. It's Corvus Belli. They're okay, all, I've not heard of them. They're all game found exclusive on the pledge manager side. Very cool. And just to clarify what a pledge manager is, um, after they do a crowdsourcing campaign, mm-hmm. after it's done, a pledge manager is normally something that they have afterwards where you can say, okay, well, I want specifically these items or here's my address. And it just kind of manages the whole logistics of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's companies who have made their business off of these tools that are used for crowdfunding uh, sources. And just to reply to our friend Craig, uh, we don't currently have a date yet, but hopefully soon it's... It's in production at the moment, yeah. Yeah. So, hopefully soon. All right, next one I I brought up, um, or I wanted to talk about, was there was a new game that was announced recently, (laughs) and you already know what I'm... You you laugh because one of our favorite designers... And I already told you, I was like, I, I call it, this is what I'm talking about. Both of us had this yep. on our like the, our news list, and he's yep. like... Uh, it's mine. Sorry, it's mine. <laughs> yeah, uh, a game called Spellbook, where you are putting together a spellbook, um, creating combos off of the cards mm-hmm. to actually create or get points in different various ways. There's not too much information about it, other yeah. than the, the cover is really pretty. And the reason we bring this up specifically is by one of our favorite designers... Phil Walker-Harding. That's right. So, the new Phil Walker-Harding game, it, it's pretty much like if there's something really exciting from Funko mm-hmm. or a Phil Walker-Harding game that's announced, like, we're probably in. The, the thing about Funko, though, I've kind of cooled on off them on a little bit. Because, like, a couple of their newer stuff has been right okay, 
But when they hit, they really right. hit well. Like, uh, what is it? Rear window, you said that one's really good. Rear I do want to try awesome. that one. Yep. You just recently got a new one. You said you ha- you've played it yet, no? Yes. Um, I just recently played the Indiana Jones one. Yeah, that one. And normally I bring it up during my play games, but oh my gosh, that was really good. Yeah, so. Really like, good. Like I said, they do well. Yeah. They hit when they hit, and then there's some not so good. Yeah. Like, uh, there's a few on there that I'm like, man, yeah. I could do without. Um, but. Right. I also played animated recently. Is it good? Anyway, yeah, so, yeah, it's one of those things. If it's Phil Walker Harding or now Funko Games or Pride Prospero Hall, if it's one of their bigger games, I should say, like, yeah. if it's pushing, like, <laughs> like the like the 25 to $35 range that they're aiming for. Or if we hear Stefan Feld. Or if we hear Stefan Feld, yeah, those, those are some guarantees. And yeah, great, we're waiting still, but I'll give you posts once I know. All right, so my next piece of news is still in the... Um crowdfunding exclusivity stuff this one specifically is steam forged are going kickstarter exclusive so any crowdfunding they do is going to only be on kickstarter because we've heard other companies going to game found or i think restoration is mainly doing backer kit now Mm -hmm. no wait no i don't think so like uh their was it their uh, return to dark tower was on backer kit recently but i think their more recent one right now is on kickstarter well, Steamforge is like, no, we're only using Kickstarter from now on. That's the main one. Uh, that's the biggest one at the moment. GameFound is really giving them a run for their money, and that's probably why they're signing these ex- exclusivity deals. Right. I mean, that's all just the point. You know, just because they're exclusive doesn't mean they can't bring other projects to other places sometimes. No, that, that's technically... I know what that is, but like, uh, or if they bring it directly to retail, it's only if... If they need, if they need a crowdfund, they're exclusive to Kickstarter. I I remember like what about seven or eight years ago when tar- Target started doing exclusive games, mm-hmm. exclusive games, and uh, a lot of retailers obviously were annoyed by that. Yeah. So a lot of the companies kind of got around that fact is that they're making exclusive versions of their games. Yeah. That's well, only in Target, and and Target and still does that. And it's only for a brief moment too. Yeah, so and it's, it's only like, temporary. It's right. Like six months or two years. Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah, we found that out. Like, most exclusivities are, are only by a certain time frame. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, I wonder if there's a time frame on this one, or if it's only on, like, they have to produce a certain number that will go to Kickstarter. I don't know. I wonder okay. what kind of deal they had to do to get that exclusivity. Yeah. It, it's me. But, then again, you kind of want to do some of that exclusivity to something like Target, because... Sure. That's going to do where a lot of your um, sales are going to be. You want to be, like, in these mass market areas. That's right. That's right, yeah, and exactly. Just like video games, I mean, there, there's some... There's a reason games. why I have an Xbox now, just because Bethesda is exclusive to them. Yep, exactly. Yeah, it's just kind of a shame. I mean, thankfully there's no consoles for board games. <laughs> that's, <laughs> exactly. That's one lucky thing that we have in our hobby. Um, the next piece of news that I had on here, uh, you know the, the biggest uh, convention... In the country. In, this, in the, our country. Or not any, even in our country. In the world. Well, it is pretty big, Gen yeah. Con. No, it's, it's not the biggest one, though. But Essen, see, the thing about Essen, though, it's not just a board gaming con. That's why I'm like, kind of like. How, yeah, what it else is do big. they have in there? It's, it's a toy in game. No, uh, no, it's, no, it's, it's mostly exclusive. games, but there is toys in there, too. It's okay. kind of like the New York uh, Toy Fair. Fair enough. Well, the Essen Spiel Fair. Um, Hey, do you remember their logo? Yes. Yeah, it's like a bunch of tangram shapes like mm-hmm. kind of shoved together. So apparently they decided that that was kind of boring, and they now finally have a mascot. They oh, announced I saw that. Recently, yep, they announced recently that they have a mascot, and much to my dismay, it's, it's a, a cat. cat. 
Yeah, it's a cat. <laughs> you know, it was like, funny when I saw that news. I'm like, I wonder how Daniel's gonna feel about this. Yeah, it's it annoys me because it's a cat, but I get it. Like, really, like nobody looked at that tan gram shape and was like, oh, that's the Eschen Spielfair. That's really obvious. Yeah, but like. Almost everything has a mascot. You're a sports fan. You know that firsthand. You know, everything has a mascot. There's multiple cities in Japan that have their own mascots. Mascots, yeah. There's pretty much, like, some cities uh, around El here. El Paso has a mascot. Yeah. Which is a city about 45 minutes from us. Yeah. Deming does, too. It's a dumpster fire. Um, <laughs> sorry. Send all your hate mail to Daniel, Daniel at, at everydayboardgames.com. Uh <laughs> Totally not a real email. You know, uh, but the, I'm glad that they finally did that. Like, that was lacking. Um, I I would have hoped it would have been, like, more of, like, an uh, anthropomorphic meeple, probably. But even then, I get why they're doing that. Because it's, like, super cute and adorable and gar- whatever. And it's still a cat. So. I, know, I know you don't like cats, but they're actually very popular, especially in European countries. Yeah, because a lot of those houses don't really have the room for, like, dogs. Right. So, cats are their go-to pets. That makes sense. I get it. I don't disagree. I understand the logic. Yeah. I just, you know, personally wish it was something else. Honestly, it could have been a newt. It could have been a lot of, well... could have been a capybara. It's in Germany. What's, like, an animal that's... A swallow? <laughs> it could have been a swallow? No, that's more French. Anything else. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It is more French. <laughs> African swallow. You know, it's, it could be one. All right, um, so moving on to my next bit of news, because this is actually a big one for me. Renegade Game has been working a lot with, I believe it is Hasbro. So they've gotten the license to uh, acquire, they've gotten the license to some of those older, like Diplomacy is another one. Right. They just got the license to a failed crowdfunding that here, uh, the, I just mentioned it, Heroescape, the, it failed on, what is it, Hasbro's Pulse or something like that? Yeah. Renegade just got the license to print Heroescape. Mm-hmm. So I just like, I've been wanting to try the game. Yeah. Uh, because it's super expensive, so I can't really do it <laughs> right. right now. There's no but easy way to Even if they do, like, just starter sets or something like that, I, I'd be more than happy to pick up a, a starter set just to see, because that, that Hasbro uh, Pulse thing... It's like it was an all-or-nothing thing. So if they didn't fund, they weren't going to release Heroescape. They didn't do anything to... Uh, so it wasn't along the lines like Restoration where they take an old game and they update it and make it right. better. It was literally just... It was literally the old-school Heroescape, just kind of what they did with uh, Hero Quest yep. that everybody was upset with. They found the old files and just went... Yeah, like, and then they were wanting, like, I don't know, it was something like $5 million or something like that. And it was all-or-nothing. It's like, hey, we don't get enough this, we're not going to reprint it. So I like the fact that they gave it to Renegade, who is been a, has a proven track record. I wish they would do more than just their license stuff, because they've done really good games in the past. I think the biggest game right now that isn't their licensed is uh, Dead Men Tell No Tales and... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What is the other one? The, the deck builder, uh, Hunger. Because oh, the yeah. only thing they're really supporting that isn't Power Rangers, G.I. Joe, or anything like that. Right. But, because the way Heroescape works, because it's you have a faction fight against another kind of faction, with those licenses, you can have G.I. Joes versus Power Rangers and stuff right. like that. So, mm-hmm. another tacticals-type map, like Unmatched and Funko, that would be kind of cool. That would be. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would definitely be willing to give it a try. I know they, they technically rebooted it in Magic the Gathering Arena. The yeah, well, kind of. Uh, but they didn't support it at yeah, all. At you know, all. It could have been great, but they came. it took a year and a half to come out with... 
another base box mm-hmm. and a single expansion for and it. And then, the, even then, it took, what, it was out maybe two years, and then they just stopped support. And right. So there was, like, nothing for it, and then it right. just jacked up in price mm-hmm. to make it where nobody was playing it. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I own all of it, and I wish I did, or I wish I didn't, but, um, no, I'm glad I do. But I wish that they did support it because that mm-hmm. would have been. I really think it would have been successful because everyone was excited for it. They should have had like six sets ready to go, ready to just rapid fire for a year and then just see their place. That's what it should have been. Yeah. But then again, I don't own a multi million dollar company. So what do I know? And the uh, answer, Creative Chaos uh, here. How much do you consider is expensive? It just depends because some of these sets that are on HeroScape in the uh, aftermarket. Are running about three to four hundred dollars. Yeah. Yep, just because the license that's on it, mm-hmm. they're not going to support it. So they used to have like Marvel. They had uh, they had like different licenses. Marvel, DC, I think was another one. Yep. And then you had your generic uh, military. Yeah. So it is really really pricey. That's right. So my last piece of news today is something that just happened as of today. Mm-hmm. Um, we're putting this together because, as you might have noticed, some of the more observant viewers of us we now have color-based clipboards Ooh, fancy right <laughs> yeah we we bought some clipboards <laughs> no but that's not the only reason we're trying to increase our brand a little bit on our podcast mm-hmm. so we made a brand new logo i'm going to show you about bit. this it's you okay so i made a brand new logo here we go that shows off the daniel and daniel everyday board game podcast our the traditional dye that we have in there and represents our colors it's a little hard to see it was a little washed yeah but um Prepare to see that popping up in a few of our uh, upcoming things. It's going to be like probably our title card now. Yep. Um, it'll probably pop up as our logo when you search our podcast online. It's a small kind of. thing. Uh, it, it, well, you know, it it's kind close of. To it, yeah. it is similar. Yeah, I give you that. It, it's just a generic, um, almost Tesseract symbol. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I, I hear you. But I don't... Did GameCube... They didn't have yellow in it, did they? No, no. There was no just, it was just there blue. There was the Tesseract, right? blue, oh, yeah. and it, it was no. basically a G in, in the center. Right, because they missed the corner. Right, yeah. I got it. Okay. See, I feel a little bit better. Um, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we have a die in the middle to yeah. make out the Tesseract. I'm justifying myself. I'm proud of my logo, gosh darn it. And <laughs> It's one of your better designs I've seen. <laughs> it was Indigo. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but so prepare to see that logo popping up here and there and we might even give away for like maybe a sticker or something like, yeah. like promote the brand a little bit yeah, exactly alright my last piece of news is the news that has been taken over the summer basically because there's a big game that's coming out by Robinsberger uh, called Lorcana it has a Disney license on it there is a lawsuit with Upper Deck with the designer of Lorcana and Robinsberger. Um, and I honestly, would we be a board game podcast if we don't talk about this? Right. We'd be the <laughs> only one not talking yeah. about it, probably. So you and I both have read through uh, Upper Deck's lawsuit. Uh, mm-hmm. God, that was boring. Yep. Uh, it's interesting what they're wording and what they're trying to say is that uh, there was a NDA uh, contract with the designer when he broke their contract in a sense uh he went over to robinsberger and gave them the game that he was designing with upper deck and so they're suing both for i guess cause i guess you could say um it's interesting robinsberger has already come out and said none of this is true uh it's kind of hard it's a bit of an uphill battle unless they can prove a lot of the stuff they're saying because i've read through both rules and they're somewhat similar but 
They're also similar but, in the aspect of other LCGs or right. CCGs. I, I think it's less about whether they're similar mm-hmm. and more of the fact that... And, and we're talking about just one of our mutual friends. And I was I immediately said in our group text, I was like, no. I was like, lawsuits like this, you can't copyright a mechanism. Mm-hmm. It's a different IP. It's a different company. It's a different publisher. It, yeah. None of that's the same. Yep. So therefore, it is like I can make another copy of Monopoly... And not call it Monopoly and change all the art, but mm-hmm. if the if it functionally works the same, I can legally do that. Yeah, um, that's that's technically how USAopoly got their start. Um, now they work with Hasbro, and it makes yeah. sense. But you know that's regardless. Um, but that's what I'm saying is that that's not the copyright. But then uh, it was brought up a good point that I didn't realize is that this designer worked with both companies. companies yep, and uh, he left one, one and. Right, and one of our viewers on our podcast, he works with a company too, and he mm-hmm. can speak to that. He he brought up during one of our chats is that he when he's working on game design, he can only do it for the company, company he's, he's working, working for, for yep. because of the contracts that they have, and that is a right of employment. Um, that's like if I'm working at a restaurant or a chain and I create some kind of food, um, like a new dish that I put on the menu there, mm-hmm. then that is rights to the restaurant. That, well, they are the company that owns it. Or I if can, any development company works. I can even attest to that. My wife just got a new job uh, in the corporate world. Yeah. Anything that she comes up with idea-wise, it was in her contract that, that this company gets to own the rights right. to it. Which is interesting. It's not an independent design group. And so that makes that um, a very tricky idea. If mm-hmm. they can show that there was ideas that he took directly from it, they might have grounds to stand on, which is yeah, unfortunate that, yeah. that the that the situation happened, but it's still kind of crazy to think about. Yeah, no, and I agree with that. It's just along the lot of things is like, if they have the receipts, and they might because they're filing this lawsuit, right? but yeah. it's just kind of like... No lawyer would take this on if yeah. they didn't have some groundwork. And the big thing about it too is um, when you're looking at it, Based on their lawsuit, because they're saying the rules are similar, but also their rules are similar to uh, partially Magic the Gathering, partially Yu-Gi-Oh!, any CCG that you've ever seen. Right. uh, Keyforge is a big one, too. A lot of their rules are similar to something like Keyforge. So it's like, it's that idea, because there is precedence, that you cannot um, copyright mechanisms. Right. And so it's just kind of like, it's just the, what you're looking at in that contract-wise. But then again, Robinsberger can be like, hey, we didn't know. His contract was over when we hired him. So right. if yeah, he exactly. brought this, it's not on us. Right. Yeah. So it makes it very interesting. I'm not sure what's going to happen. It's worth looking into. Um, Shady, like the guy who got Burger King popular back in the day. I'm curious to know that story. I'm not, I'm not familiar with that. But, um, yeah, it's just, it's a weird idea. And, you know, one or two things could happen. It, if they're able to prove that the mechanisms are, are something that he was working on mm-hmm. originally, then they do have technically those grounds to, to file the case. Now, if, if they find him guilty about that, then that shows, like, well, then that means you can't copyright mechanisms technically, but mm-hmm. you kind of can if that was developed Stuck under your... Under that contract. Under, your, yeah. under that contract. But then on top of it, um, if he's found you know not guilty or if he's um, you know not not part of it, then that 
kind of loosens up like the idea it's like it kind of furthers that idea like oh well I can use whatever mechanisms I want yeah. who cares about when I did it or how I did it yeah it's it's interesting so yeah. we'll, we'll see we'll we'll report it um, you'll hear it from here first assuming you don't listen to anything else yeah you'll hear like, from here no first. you won't we do this like <laughs> once a month so yeah, you're not going to hear it here first probably we just like, listen to anything else. You're, you're again, fine. this is stuff that we uh, that we pick these news because it's something we're interested in. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And then it's in the documentary. Can't remember the name, but it started. He started at McDonald's. I heard something about it. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. All right. Well, now I love documentaries. So those are our pieces of news. We're going to now jump over into our board game breakdown, where we take either a publisher, a designer, Artist. and we look over their gameography, their ludography of. Uh, game of work that mm-hmm. they've done for the board game hobby. Uh, I remember the first time in. you said ludography and we were arguing if it was German or not. And I'm like, that's not German, it's French. <laughs> well, even if it isn't, ography isn't. Yeah. So, <laughs> no, fine. I get it, yeah. <laughs> I go with gameography because, well, we speak English. Well, ludpedia <laughs> sounds weird. <laughs> anyway, so, yeah. Yeah, gameography. Don't, um, don't Google that. Don't Google that. Please don't. No. All right, so we're going to talk about Days of Wonder. Well, for a while, they were one of the biggest, biggest names in gaming. And they're still kind of big. They still have a yeah. following, especially now. Mm-hmm. One of their more recent games and one of their more recent announcements, That's too. That's right. So, uh, right here, Days of Wonder publishes top-quality, family-oriented board games that are easy to learn and fun to play. The name derives from the sense of wonder we all experience as, a ch- as children and first fell in love with playing games. I love that. I never thought, I never knew the name of it, mm. but I love that name. Founded in 2002. Yep. Global presence, 25 different companies distributed, offices in U.S. and in Europe. I've been to the U.S. one, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Very cool place. Never been inside, they didn't let me in. All right, and there's, <laughs> there's our list. So we're going to start right off the bat with, uh, obviously these, some of these were re- remakes. They said they were founded in 2002. So some of them were printed before, mm. and they remade them. So we're going to start off with the first one. Ganga 4. Uh, I have no clue what any of this is about. Um, and now there's going to be some on the list that you see here that I don't have pulled up automatically. Mm-hmm. And it's just for the simple fact that they've published it outside the U.S. Because um, Onitama is known as an Arcane Wonders game because it's a Dice Tower Essential. But yep. they publish it outside the U.S. Yep. So, uh, Gang of Four, exciting game of cunning, strategy, and power. Game premise is simple. Be the first to rid yourself of all cards and ascend to supreme power. But beware, the strategic misstep may find you in a struggle to survive. Don't worry, we're not going to read all these. That will yeah. be pretty boring. But we're going to talk about our experiences with those. I've never heard of this one. This looks hilarious. Apparently, it's based off of the Cultural Revolution in China during the politics of 1970. Okay. Well, some of the art, I mean, I saw the... Um, the sickle and hammer, yeah, for communism. You know, it's the the art looks okay. I mean, it, it's 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 a little weird. Bit, it's yeah. a little weird, but it's very um, uh, how would I describe it? It's very propagandistic, which I do. Yeah, think. I think that's pretty exciting. So, Gang of Four, nineteen ninety. What was the designer on that one? I closed that out already. Well, um, you jumped the gun, didn't you? <laughs> All right, Lee Yi, I think. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Well. No, I want to look into that one. You do that. <laughs> you don't. You don't think that sounds exciting to you? Yeah, never really. Okay, that's fair. All right, the next one. 
The next one here we have on the list was printed in 1995. It just got a recent reprint outside of Days of Wonder by Mojito Studios, I think. It I, was all, so. I think it was just recently on GameFound. And this one is Mystery of the Abbey. I have not played this one at all. I heard, our, our friend owns it. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, it's a Bruno Faduti game and Serge, Le, Serge Leget? Leger. Leger? Mm-hmm. French. Which, uh, what, Serge Leger, I think, just recently passed away this last year? I believe so, yeah. yeah. yeah he's one of the, he was one of, like, the main guys. So apparently it's a whodunit deduction game in the spirit of Clue. Uh, you're a monk who's murdered in medieval French Abbey. Okay. So it seems, it, <laughs> I like, the monks are of three orders. Fat, thin, bald-hatted, beard, clean-shaven. <laughs> So that's either on or off. Oh, so that's interesting. So it has like how many fat monks do you have? How many? Okay, it looks interesting. Either take a vow of silence or answer truthfully. Like that's funny. You're gonna opt to just not answer a vow of silence. That's <laughs> yeah. hilarious. Here's how some of the artwork from the Days of Wonder style is. <laughs> Those look really cool. Uh, I do want to play this one. It's it's been intriguing. I love deduction games, so yep, it's been on my list to play. Awesome. Next one uh, came in in 2002, A Fistful of Dragonstones, which I believe this one was Bruno Faiduti and Michael Schacht. Uh, Michael Schacht is from uh, Zuloretto fame, mm-hmm. and amongst other games. Uh, Bruno Faiduti, crazy amounts of games, but he's known for uh, manipulating card games. And bluffing. But, yeah, and bluffing. Um, which this has. Fistful of Dragonstones. I want to say... This seems so familiar that I've played something like this. Uh, it is very implemented similar. by Fist of Dragonstone's The Tavern Edition. Okay, yeah. Which I is don't... not, it, that was a stronghold. Uh... Right. I don't think I've played this exactly, but I know I've played something similar from Bruno Faiduti that I thought was similar. Uh, but either way, this one... Honestly, like he's made a lot of games... Gems. Yeah. Kind of like that style. Yeah, he loves different kinds of bidding. I think closed-fisted bidding games. So. I, I think I know which one you're talking about. We've played it. It was a small box card style almost game. Mm-hmm. But you you have a closed bid bidding. Yeah. Um, I forget what it is. We'll have to look it up later. But yeah, I think I know which one you're talking right. about. Yeah, because I think I would play it with our group, <laughs> but I might be wrong. Um, they learn their magical powers. Uh, I'm assuming the the uh, different colored gemstones. Have different values. Like red, blue, and yellow. They have different values or different specialties of what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this is standard fight duty style. Yeah, yeah. And again, it's like his buffing. It's it's got some decent components for something like two thousand and two. Yep, screens, I mean, whatever. Oh, those are D four dice. Those are D fours. Nah, that's interesting too. I love those style of dice. The the sticks that you roll. There was one other game that did that. I think it was Nagaraja. I might be wrong, but there was another one that did those too, and I really like those sticks. All right, also in 2002, and this is what I was saying, is like you're seeing a couple of games in the same era. Yep, uh, it this hard. One, yeah, All this is Pirate's Cove. Um, another one that I'm not too familiar, like early Days of Wonder before Ticket to Ride, I'm not uh, too, too, too familiar with. Yeah. Uh, designers are Paul Randalls and Daniel Stahl. Uh, pirates plunder as they seek booty to, uh, to bury and fame at the end of a cannon. So, it... I have no clue how this works. No. Apparently it has 12 turns. 12 turns. At the start of every turn, each pirate must decide secretly which of the six islands they will visit. All players reveal their navigation direction simultaneously, and then the turn is resolved. Any two or more pirates end up in the same island, we go into combat. That's that's interesting. Yep, I would gladly play that. that I would try like it. I do play. like uh, nautical-themed games. I like pirate games, so... Mm-hmm. 
Uh, yeah. Except for Jamaica, I'm not a huge fan of. That's a shame. I was going to make us play this weekend. Jamaica? Yeah. Now we can play it, but... Well, too late now. I've changed my mind. I'm not even going to be here this week. What are you talking about? Oh, good point. <laughs> <laughs> Next one we have is Queen's Necklace, which, all, with, which also got a reprint recently from... Uh, cool Mini or Not. That's yeah, that's what I was going to say, yeah. Yeah, and so uh, Queen's Necklace, you are creating the finest pieces of jewelry to attract the queen's eye and you actually have like pieces of jewelry yeah it, the original version from days of wonder i know had um like this cardboard necklace thing that was just like a punch out board the cool mini not version actually had a necklace which is pretty cool i think you're like adding rings to, like the strings and stuff which is pretty cool um you're basically just trying to find like the best set combinations sounds more like a gin rummy kind of style game um it says from the slums where purse snatchers and courtesans work their respective trades. Um, there's betting and bluffing, commodity, speculation, hand management, and set collection. So, if Faduti is tied to it, it's going to have bluffing in there somehow. Yep, somehow, somehow. Somebody got lined up. people. He's good. There's the sea bottle one. Yep, it should be Luno Lie Duty. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It's just crazy. That is the dumbest pun I've ever came up with. All right. Oh, and Bruno Cathala. So, oh, yeah. the, the Brunos. I, I, I like Cathalo a lot. Fiduti, on the other hand... Uh, I had the opportunity to buy this last time we were at our at that bookstore that we go to. Okay. And I thought about it, but I just hadn't done it yet. The next game on our list was printed in 2003, as well as Queen's Necklace, and this was Terra. And again, like I said, I'm not familiar with a lot of these games. Uh, so this one looks like it was something they... It's a Fiduti one, so yeah. it's interesting there. This is not to be confused with the Terra game that is uh, by Freedom and Freeze, too. Yeah. Uh, this one, it says, if you don't cooperate to solve Earth's problem, everyone will lose. Uh, it's uh, educational, apparently. Hand management. Interesting. <laughs> huh. Like, I know nothing about this game. Decent no. art. Uh, interesting. But, I mean, I guess it wasn't all that great because this kind of... It's ranked to 5.7. It's ranked to 5.7. Yeah. Which ain't beautiful. Alright, um, the next one, I mean, yeah, we gotta talk about it. I don't, it's a promo card, it looks yeah. like. Yeah. Uh, for Drakenfaust, Der Illusionist. Which I have I mean, no, a Fist of Dragonstones, that's what it oh, is. Fist oh, of okay. But you have the Illusionist card, which I'm already a fan of. That's why I yeah. pulled it up, I, yeah. saw, I saw Illusionist. I appreciate you doing that, thank you, thank you, you know me well. <laughs> Published in the German card game magazine, Kartenfaust. <laughs> Okay, that that's kind of cool. Uh, Days of Wonder were real big uh, proponents of that stuff, too. Mm -hmm. They would put promos in these magazines. I know that uh, from, like, Dice Tower talked about it. Yep. Yeah, very much so. Cool. So, next up on the list here is the big one. Ooh, here we go. Uh, Ticket to Ride, Alan Moon. Very popular game. One of your favorite games of all time. I oh, do yeah. enjoy this game as well. Uh, interesting, um, pay attention to the next episode, it's gonna be a board game brainstorm about this specific game. That's right. Um, it is, this one is by far the easiest one to remember, it's a set collection game, you're just trying to meet your tickets by pulling cards to put your trains out. Yeah. Very, very well done, very, very simple, there's a reason why a lot of people call this a gateway game, mm -hmm. but what people don't realize, this is a very cutthroat game, people start getting in trouble, or, yeah. with their spouses and start yelling at a couple i've been through that <laughs> not me personally but i've been playing i played with couples where they're about ready to go on a divorce yeah. because of this game because it can be cutthroat you can block people um that's why they instituted i think it was in ticket to ride europe the train stations where you can hop someone's line using your train station yeah. and not only can you you get you don't lose points if you don't use them so you, like 
if you use them, you don't lose points. Because at the end of the game, they're worth negative points. No, not the train stations. The train stations are worth points at the end of the game. Oh, uh, if start you don't use them. Yeah, if you don't use them. Yeah. And so when you do use the train stations, they uh, they don't become negative points, but now you're not going to get as many points as the, you're I supposed see. to. Mm. Because if you don't use them, I think they're like 10 points or something like that. If you yeah, use one, like it that. becomes to like eight or something like that. Yeah. Uh, but sometimes it's like, it's that, that push and pull. And we'll talk about it because it's going to be coming up here soon. But what do you want to say about this one? Because you love this one a lot. I do. I do. In fact, not only do I love this game, my wife was kind enough to play a game with me yesterday. Mm-hmm. Which she rarely does, and she normally like holds like some kind of caveat to doing so. Yeah, she has been asking to play this game lately. Nice. So I'm like, maybe, maybe if I wait a little bit longer, she might uh, be willing to play more games, or I might just completely lose out and not even play this one. Honestly, one I, of the two. Is I think happen. I know why she wants to play this one. Uh, well, she has like a victory streak going on right now. Well, there's that, and also she wants to kind of get her familiar for other things. Mm, probably <laughs> that might have inspired her. That's right. But Ticket Ride, yeah, phenomenal game. One of my all-time favorites. I think it's in my top twenty of all time. Yeah, of all time. I think it might have dropped a little bit for me because I like it. I don't I like it, played as, it as much. Lately. I don't like it as much as you do, but I do do yeah. enjoy this game. In hey, fact, you I said do do. I do do. You do do. Uh, all right. Next one came out in two thousand four. This is Memoir forty four. A lot of fours in yeah. there. Um. Uh, Richard, Borg. Richard Borg, this is a head-to-head uh, war game. Um, I know they have created, like, it seems, I, I was going to say over hundreds, over 15 battle scenarios is what it says. It's a historical board game. Each of these scenarios no, think, could be uh, different This titles. is basically just in this box, not to mention everything that they've re-implemented, because there is true. a bunch yeah. of, like, expansions and stuff like that. Yep. Includes 144 detailed min- army miniatures including highly accurate infantry, tanks, and artillery, 36 obstacle pieces, 60 command cards, 44 special terrain tiles, and 6 wooden dice. This is a two-player head-to-head war game, and from what I understand from everything I've heard about this, this is the war game for people to play. They say two-players, this can actually go up to eight, just because what... What goes on here? I don't recommend that. I have never played this. I have wanted to play it. Yes. Uh, it's this is for people who want to try war gaming. That's what their yes. big recommendation about this yep. is. Is like because those GMT war games, those are very heady games. They this are. one, they yep. it's very streamlined, kind of stratego esque, right. uh, very simplified when it comes to war gaming. This is, but this is how you get into it, and they actually right. are using. Historical battles. It's the only reason I want to play that. It's because my grandfather uh, fought in World War Two. So right, yeah, you're a big history buff. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing: like Richard Borg, he's known for like more advanced war games, mm-hmm. and he made this so people can get into war gaming. So I mean, even if you don't want to get into war gaming, if you have the slightest inkling that you think that this theme might be interesting, and you want a good solid system to actually fight against each other, I've heard that nothing compares to this one. Yeah, I know uh, some people start. Talk- Excuse me, he's talking about like Undaunted and stuff like that. Yeah. Where it's, it's, that's another like stepping stone for it. Sure. But for, we were talking about how Ticket to Ride's kind of a gateway game for people into modern board gaming hobby. Yeah. This is a gateway game for people into, that want to try, um, war okay. games. Yeah, yeah, combat games. And just to add on, Richard Borg, he based this off of his Command and Color series. Yep. Which is a much more advanced series. Yeah, exactly. Cool. I'm sure Next they have one. a lot of things going on together. 
Next one up, I did want to pull up, but we want to highlight this a little bit because, yep. again, the, we're not going to talk about all the Ticket to Rides because there's way too many no. to get through it. The next one we're going to talk about is Ticket to Ride Europe because, like we were talking earlier, it made slight changes. It gives you these little um, train stations, which allow you to jump someone else's line to collect your tickets. Uh, the thing is, like I play, I like this one more than America. Mm-hmm. But people struggle with this one because they're not familiar with the geography. Right. So well, like, here in America, they struggle with it, right? I'm sure in Europe, they, it's pretty popular. Yeah, here in America. No, no, yeah. I don't disagree with that. I mean, the the big one was like, uh, was it Markland, which is Germany? Right. See, and, and here's the thing. I have played this probably a handful of times, mm-hmm. and I have played Bay's Ticket Ride dozens of times. So. No, no. I, I played this. I've played this one more than base uh, Ticket to Ride, just because this is the copy I own. I got it for free from a friend who she's like, my family gave this to me. It's too complimentary. Yeah. You and Calissa play this. Knock yourself out. Although I will say on this one, this is cool because uh, the other day I went over to one of my wife's friends' house. Uh, this was a couple months ago, actually. Mm-hmm. But um, they were like, "Oh yeah, we have a bunch of games too." And they opened it up, and I see all the common ones: Monopoly, Sorry, yeah. all of that. And every single one of them is a mass market game, but then Ticket to Ride's there. I'm like, wait a minute, hold, hold on. You guys actually play that? Yeah. You're more gamers than I thought. Well done. It's not like the rules are more complicated, but that's still really awesome. All right, so the next one on the list here is a big one, too. Yeah. Shadows over Gamelot. This is one of their big, big names. Uh, Bruno Catala, Serge Leger. This was what kind of put both of those guys on the map. This is your Knights of the Round Table uh, kind of working um, in the Arthurian theme mm-hmm. and trying to complete different quests. You do so by playing cards, and they're pretty straightforward. They're, they're simple cards. Yeah. But um, what it, if you like classic-style card games like Gin Rummy and like different things like along those lines, like poker, different parts of the board work in different ways. And you can play it, you can go to part of a board and say, t- fight against the Picts or the Saxons. Mm-hmm. Or you can go and try and get the Excalibur from the river or get the Grail and yeah. all of these different Arthurian games, systems, and, and try and figure out how to play your cards effectively. Um, however, the big twist on this game, mm-hmm. what sets this apart from most, is that amongst you, there is likely a hidden traitor. And that hidden trader actively works against. And you can try and go to certain spots and try and not play as well as you could, could yeah. to kind of dwindle down the options for what people can do. And the thing is, uh, you have to choose like the right moment. Or usually you're, okay, I'm not playing as efficiently, but I am still trying to help. Okay, I did really, really well here. But now I'm going to do bad here because right. there's a certain thing, and then you have to load up catapults and stuff like that because there's always a bad turn. And so the one time I played this, I was actually the traitor. Yep. And so at one point, there was a point in the game where I'm like, all right, it's time to reveal myself. I'm going to put a catapult here, which is going to screw everybody over yep. just to help myself win because one person could win if they're the traitor. Yep, that's right. And so it is very intriguing how this one worked. It was really good. It's not something I'm going to go out of my way to buy. I did no, enjoy the play. It's very expensive still. That too, Because yeah. they haven't really reprinted it yet. No, it has not been problem. touched yet. I used to own this plus the expansion. And I ended up selling it probably about seven or eight years ago. Mm-hmm. And I kind of wish I kept on to it. But, you know, value is objective. It's, yeah. uh, excuse me, it's, only, it's only valuable if 
If someone's willing to pay it, right? I mean, yeah, Amazon for, is selling it for three hundred. <laughs> for our viewers, if they want to see it, it's a three hundred dollar game right now. It's just because on Amazon. One Days of Wonder is yep. another one of those uh, collector style uh, right. companies, and this is a very popular game that a lot of people. And this is also the tabletop effect. Uh, when tabletop was right. really big in the early teens, yep, um, a lot of the games that they featured there would sell out immediately. That's right. Yeah. And then also, I want to point out, this was back when uh, the Spiel des Jahres was giving, like, weird little category, yeah. like, not just family game or gamer yeah, game. Yeah, they had, like, fantasy they, game. They had the fantasy game winner. So that's a thing. <laughs> yeah, it um, was. It might have been the only one. I don't know, but either Yeah, way. it's just interesting that, that and this won a lot of awards, too. Yeah. Uh, it was the Golden Geek winner in 2006, too, yep. so. Yeah, I wonder if, this is one that I think most. A good portion of people want to see reprinted. So and then we get into a bunch of uh, Memoir 44 expansion packs, Mystery of the Abbey expansion, mm-hmm. Shadow Over the Camelot, uh, Ticket to Ride Markland is what we were talking about. A lot of people, that was one of their favorites. It was the Germany-specific uh, Ticket right, to Ride. because it was based off of the German train company, mm-hmm. Markland, uh, toy train company. Yeah. yeah. More, and then, so more Memoir 44, and then yeah. 2006... That's right. Now, this is a company, by the way, real quick before we get into this next game. Days of Wonder is a company that knows how to support their game. We were talking about games that weren't supported enough. Yeah. Like, Magic the Gathering spent a year to to do another slight kind of base set and mm-hmm. one expansion. Days of Wonder did, like, six Memoir 44s in one year. Come on. Yeah. Come yeah. on now. Uh, so the next one here is Cleopatra and the Society of Architects. Um, now you're, you've played this I have so played I, this one. I've actually ahead. played this specific copy. Oh, nice. Okay. Uh, it's not the new reprint. This is another one that just got a reprint by a different company. Uh, that was it's, it's really pretty. Mm-hmm. Uh, I played this specific version. And it's it's interesting. You're basically going into the market. Uh, you're, you have two choices. You go into the market, take a whole selection of cards, mm-hmm. or you're playing something to build. And so you're building obelisks, uh, sphinxes, uh, mosaics, and you're using the actual game box to build because what happens is you have a player board. And so I'm going to pull up a picture right here. You have a player board where you're going to build up the um, sphinxes, and you want to get it all the way until Cleopatra reaches the end, because once she reaches the end, that triggers the in-game trigger. So you're building the obelisk, you're building the sphinxes, you're building the walls around the box, you're building the mosaics in the garden, you're putting out your statues to help you get rid of uh, shame or corruption, I think is what it is, because if you have too much corruption, even though you have the most points, you're not going to be able to win, because your, your heart gets eaten by the crocodile. And so you're building her throne, and so you're basically trying to build all this, you're trying to be... Very efficient because if you build more pieces, you get more bonus points um, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. If you're building the second Sphinx, you get more points. If you're building the pair, so like if I build this one and this one, if I just build the first one, it's two points. But mm-hmm. if I build the second one, it's five points because I built twice, it's extra points and stuff like that. But That's you got to be careful about the cards you're using because they'll give you corruption. Um, every time something gets built or finished built, like so, there's only two obelisks. There's six sphinxes. One of those sections get built. She moves up, and she keeps moving up until it reaches the end. Gorgeous game, very well produced. Uh, I mean, we're talking. We talked about Ticket to Ride. We talked about Memory Four, yeah. for, uh, Memoir Forty Four. Very well produced. This is probably one of the highest quality production games I've yeah. ever played for something that came out in two thousand nine. 
2006. 2006. This is not yeah. something you would expect around that time. You yeah. you would think more Monopoly, you know, cards, de- sure. decent, but they were really pushing stuff for this. Yeah, and this is one of the examples of why Days of Wonder was put on the map so well. Mm-hmm. They were known as the company that made the biggest, most grandiose productions. They put they put the best art. They put the best pieces. They made the best components. Mm-hmm. They spent the time and effort to make it a game that will last forever. So much the point about Ticket to Ride is still using the same art. Yeah, uh, for every single one they pump out, it's the same art. Yeah, they, the same little plastic trains. Right. Uh, unless you get the anniversary editions, but yeah, I mean those are your your where you hide your corruption until the end of the game. Mm-hmm. These will determine whoever wins the the bid here can get rid of so many corruptions, and then whoever loses the bid, if you you bid the least, mm-hmm. you take one corruption. If you bid the or so you bid the least, you take the most corruption. If you're like the second on the auction, you take uh, like one corruption, and then yeah. the person who wins the auction uh, can take away so much corruption because it's all yeah. about that push and pull, trying to get rid of the corruption. Because if you have the most, you automatically even if you're got the most points. You ain't going to win the game. You automatically lose. Yep, exactly. So it, it's worth knowing that that how interesting it can be on this. But I love the fact that these components are gorgeous. And so much that the super over-the-top remake of this mm-hmm. kind of got knocked because it wasn't as functional as it Yeah, and the been. thing is, you're using the box. I, I, we'll pull it up right here. It's yeah. right here. The it, They're nice components. They look really, really nice. But it doesn't function as well as yeah. say uh, the original Cleopatra. Yeah. So I do like this aspect of it because you can hide your corruption inside the pyramid. Yeah, which is pretty cool. Yeah. I mean I, I mean it just goes to say like now we're we're lucky because we have so many different games that mm. are that are, you know, this high of quality of as far as production. But I mean now it's just they're so good because Days of Wonder did that 15 years ago. Now, the next one I had pulled up here is Battle Lore, but I think this is another one of those where it wasn't really a Days of Wonder. Yeah. It was Fantasy Flight, and they just uh, did the... Uh... No, this was... Yeah, this was the idea, yeah. It, Battle Lore was made by uh, Days of Wonder okay. originally, but then remade by Fantasy Flight. Okay, but I wasn't Battle sure Lore how it worked. Battle is literally the fantasy version of... Memoir, Memoir 44. 44. It was a remake. So, again, if you like that setting... And you want to, like, you like the idea of the war game, but you don't really like historical stuff, and you want to do like some fantasy, fantasy powers stuff, yeah. and all that stuff. This is the difference. But really, it's the it's more or less the same thing, thing from what we understand. Now, if you're a player of both of them, and you if there are differences, feel free to tell us in the comments. But I do believe that they are more or less the same. All right. So the next one on our list here is a game you and me are not really impressed by. No. So Colosseum. This was one of the newest ones. Um, and by the way, though, the Days of Wonder version, so you're seeing the Tasty Mintral artwork here. Um, right. It's just what they have on here. The Days of Wonder artwork is so much better. I think so. Um, but, I mean, it's more of the classic style. I do think that the Tasty Mintral version looked more modern. Um, I mean, that is something that I do like that pop part. on the box. Yeah. Or pop on the shelf. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it basically you're trying to compete in the Coliseum, compete in a bunch of different events to impress uh, yeah. Caesar or pre- perfe- uh, impress the Emperor or whatever. Yeah. Um, the, the Roman Empresario uh, is what you are, and you are trying to do these great spectacles around the Coliseum. Um, yeah, when we played this, we were upset. 
I, I, I was I was annoyed by it. I really didn't. It, like it. didn't uh, like our friend really really enjoyed it, and I'm good for him. And our other friend enjoyed it too. Yeah. Uh, or you and me were both like, "This is really what everybody talks about." Yeah. yeah, I I wasn't enamored with it. It was it was fine for what it was, but right, it wasn't bad. I'd consider playing it again. Yeah, but I overall didn't like it. I didn't, um, that's going to be our review. We don't tend to want, talk about reviews that much. Yeah, maybe there was something we played wrong, or we just didn't get the. No, I think right. it played played right. It's just it wasn't. It didn't flow how I had want right. days because you expect something to flow really well, like Days of Wonder has been doing. They, right, and so this one is just like it's more of a start and stop. Okay, I did this, I did this, I did this, and I'm going to wait for everybody else to do their turn. Oh, now we're going to do this stuff, and then yeah. we're going to do. Okay, this is how my thing is going, and it's just, it just didn't intrigue me as much as I thought it would. Right now, keep in mind though, we played the Tasty Minstrel version. Yeah, we have not played the, t- Days, of the uh, Days of Wonder version. If there were differences in the rules that we didn't know, mm-hmm. that might be a factor. So take our review with a grain of salt. But we weren't impressed by it at all. Not at all. All right, our next one, going back up, we have Battlelore, Epic Battlelore. Battle Lore, Battle Lore, Battle Lore, again. More Ticket to Ride stuff More Ticket here. to Ride. We have the first uh, expansion map pack, which is Switzerland. That's worth knowing. And the Nordic countries. Yep, and we, we got some go Nordic, ahead and the Nordic countries. That. Yep. Uh, the next one I pulled up was that one, because it's a lot of Battle Lore, Mystery of the Abbey, and then... Yep, Ticket to Ride, the card game, which is not high, as high rated. Um, I believe this is yours. I be- yeah, I, uh, but I think you've played this. I have never played I this. I haven't yet. I've read the rules. Maybe I'll bring it tomorrow or one of these days. Yeah. Because this is one, It yeah, you're doing set collections. You're trying to complete sets in a certain way. But I know one of the one of the factors, there was something very specific about what happens in it. Um, and let me see if I can read from here. Because there are certain times where you can play cards which will cause... Like, uh, if I play more of, like, a certain color of train, that will make everyone else discard that color of train. And and it's those factors of, like, I can directly mess with you by making you discard your stuff because I just happen to play a bigger set than you do. Yeah. And, it, and it's not really a take that. It's more of, like, um, like I mean, a kind of, like, more of a classic card game style. Yeah. It, it sounds like it's different enough that I would really enjoy it. I just haven't gotten it to the table yet. Spending my uh, game for a while. All right, so keep going on. 2008, they produce uh, more... Uh, it's for the group chat. Yeah. Produce more for Shadows Over Camelot, Memoir 44, uh-huh. uh, Battle Lore as well. Ticket to Ride, the Dice Expansion. <laughs> Which I've heard really pretty rough things about. Yeah. The next one here that, that is pulled up is Gambit 7. Gambit 7. It's, apparently it's a, tri- a trivia game uh, designed by Dominic... Uh, I am not going to say Krapuchetis. I'm betting who will be the closest to the actual answer. So kind of like a wits and wager aspect, but Ooh. not you're not okay. betting on the other players. You're saying who's closest to the answer kind of thing. But it okay. sounds like wits and wagers, correct? Oh, it no. Does. It does. It is. Re-implements uh, wits and wagers. <laughs> wow. Okay. So this was made after wits and wagers. Apparently, yeah. Gambit 7. This must not have been an American release because that... That right there is Wits and Wagers. Yeah, so uh, has been separate huh. from Wits and Wagers based on game rule differences in their crest of the designers and publisher. Uh, so there's your answer there. Uh, all players <laughs> I, have a chance to write their answer. I've never seen a box specifically about it. Um, that they are technically 
They are all technically different. Different, yeah. Either bet on subs or bet on another mm. player's answer, the winning answer. Okay, yeah, so it is wits and wagers for everything that's described here. But it's separate, too, because there's a slight rule difference, apparently. Yeah. But from what I'm reading... Well, it can be played as few as three. The more friends you gather, simply teams of two or three. Okay, fine. Um, but no... Uh, closest, but no higher. Okay, winning answer, betting does. Um, seven rounds of questions... I'm not seeing the difference. <laughs> any difference. Yeah. Look at the board. I think I saw a difference in the board, and that's the odds on either side of it. Um, do the odds change? That's that's like a card. <laughs> well, I was just uh, there's this. There we go. All right, there we go. Um, nope, that looks about right as well. <laughs> so interesting. I did not know. Huh? See, we learned something new when we're doing this too. That's odd. And the thing, Wits and Wages was a significantly better production. That's oh, the very yeah, part. really significantly. So the next one on our list, and there's some more uh, Gambit 7, some more Memoir 44. The next big Days of Wonder game yeah, here. This is you. a hot one. Small World. Small World basically took risk and made it good. Um, Small World, what makes it so much different, um, reimplements Vinci, which I guess was a game before that, this is a dudes on a map kind of game. Mm-hmm. You are sending out troops on different regions. Different regions have different factors depending on your troops. They're worth different amounts of points. The most points at the end of the game wins. But here's where it makes it so much different. There is so many, um, like, uh, combinations. Combinations of cards. You have one factor on the left side, and then the characters on the right side, which will show you how many tokens you have of each of those. No, it's um, the numbers right here. Yep. So if you're watching the video podcast, you could see uh, we have Dragon Master, Ratman, or the Hill Giants, and you would combine those two titles together. Mm-hmm. Um, one will give you uh, some kind of an ability. The second one will show you how many uh, troops you can have and also their separate ability. So those specific combinations are what you do. Um, when you're spreading your influence, that is the only time you do it. You just straight up spread out, and that's when you're done. Um, there's some movement around that you can do, but mostly you're never going to get any of your tokens back unless they're like undead or have some special ability to do it. And you can move them around somewhat. So yep. like you always have to, you can't abandon the territory. Right. Uh, until one of the rounds where you choose to go into decline, mm-hmm. where you flip all of your tokens down, face down, they only become one, and then you then choose a new faction that round. That makes it very specific, and you'd lose a whole round by doing it, but you still have that influence in the game, which the big, makes it pretty cool. The big part of it is you want to have the most influence at the end of the game. You see these little coins. These are the coins that you can use to buy stuff. Yep. But it's also your victory points at, at the end of the game. Yeah. So you could go into decline pretty quick. Mm-hmm. This also had one of those systems where the higher up on the list that the different characters were, mm-hmm. you had to pay coins pay to, to up, get yeah. higher up and get something potentially That was one better. of my favorite mechanisms. Yes. And a lot of games have done that same like drafting mechanism, mm-hmm. which I really like. So this was overall a really cool design. Um, I didn't like it that much. I've owned it plenty of times before. I it owned was it. Fun. Um, I did enjoy my plays of it from from it, time to time, but the, it is definitely not my. Favorite. The thing about it is, it's one of the games that got me into modern gaming. Me and my wife really enjoyed this game, but we played the mess out of this because, again, this is one of the first games in a modern uh, board game for us. This may be the yeah. third game we ever paid for. So, every time we'd go over to a friend's house, this was a simple game everybody wanted to play. So, we played the mess out of this, including an expansion. I only got one of the expansions. 
But yeah, it was probably one of my most played games for the longest time. Yeah. I mean, this is before I kept statistics, so I can't really tell. Yeah. But I just remember playing it a lot, and I get thrashed every single time I played against <laughs> my wife. I mean, it just wasn't even funny. And then uh, our friend Gamehead Geek, we used to play this one a lot. Him and me would start going into a border war with each other mm-hmm. while my wife oh, was just kind of minding her own business in the back. Yep. And we were just ignoring her because he kept trying to take my mountain, so I took my mountain back. What I like about this, too, is there is a little bit of a dice roll, uh, push your luck kind of aspect of it. It's like, I only got this one piece, but if I go into his territory and fight him and I roll this die, I only Never need to get to a one to get there, yeah. and then I'd roll the blank. So, always, always. Yeah, it is really cool. I like this. I love the 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 way it worked, but it just I played it so, so much. Yeah. All right, next one. Next one here, we got some more memoir, the 1912 expansion, which is the equivalent to the 1910 expansion uh, for Ticket to Ride. Uh, So this one, Europa 1912, that's the first expansion for Ticket to Ride Europe. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then some expansions for Small World. Uh, Cursed is the one I was telling you that I had originally, the one I had. Mm -hmm. Uh, So more memoir, 44, more Small World, more memoir. So they were really supporting their game. But the next big one that they produced was Mystery Express. Yeah, which we should also point out. Around this time, uh, it was when they were only really put, putting out one, one game. game a year. Mm-hmm. So every year you're going to see a new game. Now, they supported those games because they were very expandable. Mm-hmm. But they put out one game really a year. And so this one, Mystery Express, I have not played it. I've won Speaking of Antoine Bowser. And there's Bowser and another Leger. Yep, Serge Leger. Uh, this gives me um, Murder on the Orient Express vibes. Murder aboard a luxury passenger train. Be the first uh, to find the culprit. Yep. The only thing is, we're all Hercule per, uh, per uh, I can't remember what his last name is. I can't think of the name, but it's oh. Hercule is his um, yep. first name. The, uh, the detective. Yeah, uh, Agatha Christie is the the writer. I I enjoy a lot of the books. I've watched a few of the movies. I've really enjoyed. But this one is you're on the Orient Express in Paris. A murder occurs. The rest of the trip, you're just trying to find out who did it. Nice little deduction, murder mystery game. I, If I could find this one, I would totally play it because this is up my alley. Deduction, I love deduction games a lot. Yeah. Murder mystery is probably one of my favorite kind of themes sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like That's the reason why I like Mysterium so much because you're technically solving a murder that happened, what, 100 years ago or something like that because yeah. you're all uh, mystics. Yeah. <laughs> so, But it looks really, really well done. Um, something I do want to try, but it's also one of the harder ones to find. It you you can't even find it on Amazon, <laughs> so it's probably for the best. Uh, three to five players, it, it would be one of the harder ones to get because it's just hard to get. Just something that has such a small window of gaming, too. Yeah. Cool. All right. So next up on our list here looks like it's going to be oh well, uh, Fictionaire. Fictionaire, which this goes to the next one that I have not heard of at all. <laughs> Um, Herve Marley, or Herve Marley is the designer, uh, four to seven players, very specific, 10 to 20 minutes. Um, wow. Okay. I'm going to read this out loud because I really genuinely don't know what this is. Fictionary person, a definition, fiction who tricks opponents into choosing the wrong word definition in a dictionary game. Oh, that's not, that that's not fine. Right. You may know it as dictionary, fictionary, balderdash, or even call my bluff, the the classic TV uh, game show, but it's just as easily could be called Making Up Lies to Fool Your Friends. Fictionary is a new quiz game from Days of Wonder that gives you the fresh twist on the classic genre. 
Players make up bogus definitions or fake answers for a word or question um, asked by the game host, trying to trick him in, or her into believing that their answer is correct. To earn points, players choose the right definition or get someone to pick their answer. If a player calls bluff, or if a player bluffs someone into choosing the wrong answer, they get a bonus point. This that is uh, Balderdash. Yeah, that really is. Um, and it's funny because it doesn't even say I anything. like Balderdash a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it doesn't. It says yeah, call it whatever you want. But Fictionary, I guess, is like the Days of Wonder version of Balderdash. I I didn't realize that they went into some party games from time to time. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Balderdash. That I haven't is a played fan. Balderdash in ages. I haven't either, but I really <laughs> like that game. And it's always been a hit. It's been hilarious every single time. Because you're trying to make stuff that's realistic. And some people, just for the humor of it, they're like, I'll take a point just to make a funny joke. And yeah. It makes it hilarious when they do. And it, But, you know, at their detriment, but they're having fun playing it. So, good fun. I like it. So, Fictionaire, if I see it in the wild, I'll pick it up. Yeah, uh, so, going through here again, uh, back to supporting their other games, because they had their one game. So, you, know, you yep. have some Memoir 44, some Small World. I, I, I want to mention this one, the Alvin and Dexter expansion for Ticket to Ride. Yep, um, the Alien and Dinosaur. Yeah, yep. it's so weird, honestly. Yep. I have never played it. I never tried to play it with those things. Have you? Yeah. How is it? I have. It's actually kind of fun. Uh, because uh, one of them, I forget which one it was, actually moves along paths and picks up trains and, <laughs> and removes them from it's the board. It's the alien. Yeah. I, no, I think it's uh, the dinosaurs destroying the trains. Um, but And then one of them sits on a city and then ends up like making it worth more points if you connect to that city. <laughs> like, it's, it's honestly pretty darn fun. I mean, it's just two little figurines and some alternate rules. It's basically it's just silly. silliness. It's probably really expensive to find, So their it's pretty cool. Their 2011 game at this time mm-hmm. is Cargo Noir. This is not one that I am very familiar with. No, uh, um, I have looked into it um, just because it, it looks like a really fun uh, bidding game. Mm-hmm. Serge Leger again. Um, at least, yeah, auction bidding, set collection, work replacement. So Serge Leger... Cargo Noir is his fourth standalone box. I'm sorry, was I supposed to read this? No, that's fine. That's all. Go ahead. All right. So every player is a family uh, trying to smuggle in goods uh, in the Noir setting of 1950s, of course. Yep. And uh, you're just trying to to get each part for the right price. So basically, you're going around the board. Each board has a section of what pattern you're going to do. And on your turn, if you're if you are if it returns if it goes to your turn. And you are not the highest bidder somewhere, you can move your piece to try and outbid somebody. So, like, let's say you put like four coins on one spot and mm-hmm. I want it, I'm gonna go five coins. Yeah. And only if it comes back to me on my turn and I'm the highest bidder on that spot, will I then be able to take well, it for that price. Yeah. So, it's multiple, technically multiple different actions or auctions happening at once, but it's on your turn. You might be aiming for something else, or something else might come up, but you still have a stake in a, a different auction. Mm-hmm. It looks really fun, honestly. I, I love that system. I love the idea of that, that multiple auction uh, idea, where if you're the highest at the beginning of your turn, then you can bid that, or you could just jump it to someone else. It's pretty cool. I want to play it. I know uh, one of our friends, I think our friend Dom, does have it. Um, he bought it used, mm-hmm. but I'm very curious about it, and I do want to play it. So the the next thing I, I just pulled it up because I realized I didn't bring it up because I thought it was an expansion I forgot about it 
It's actually a standalone expansion. Yes. So Days of Wonder started doing standalone. This is one of the first kind of standalone expansions they did. Except for Ticket Ride Europe. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, techni- technically it's not a uh, Ticket Ride expansion. Europe. It's not right. an expansion. Whereas this one, you could implement some of these creatures into the original thing. They just, their powers wouldn't fire off as well to uh, regular Small World. This is yeah. underground, because basically Small World is where you're playing there, and this is like in the cave system of yeah. Small World, uh, so the underground. I have not played this one. It looked interesting. Uh, this in, It gives you 15 new races and 21 new special powers. Uh, the board is a lot like the other one, except for it has like this little river system. Yeah, instead of a lake in the middle. Yeah, so it's intriguing how this one works. But it doesn't do too much different. I just wanted to give this a little highlight because if you like Small World, you would probably like this one. Um, but it was really cool that they did this kind of standalone yes. expansion, but this stuff could be implemented in the other game. That's right. Cool. And so that was... Oh, I did something I shouldn't have done. Oh, well. Yeah. Uh, these are all pulled up, so it's mainly just expansions. Okay. Um, then we have Shadows Over Camelot, the card game card game implementation of Shadows Over Camelot. I haven't played this. this is even almost even more rare yeah. than the than the base game. How much is it selling for? Let's take a look. Hold on, let me uh, yep. just pull that up real quick. Uh, $75 too, for a card game. That's, I mean, that's not too bad for some of the card games I've seen that are out of print. Sure. It's not great. $75 for a card game. <laughs> no, it's a, it's still, I don't disagree with you. Yeah. It's, I've seen worse. That's what I'm trying right, to say. Right, right. No, I don't disagree. Yeah, it's not something that I would ever buy just because that's too expensive. But if they remake it or into some other style, then you never know. Um, but overall, I mean, Shadows of Camelot is a fun game. They just took, I think, it was mainly a card game anyway. They yeah, a board. they just took out the board, really. So they kind of just like cleaned it up from what I understand. That's all the only difference I'm aware of. Um, or not really cleaned up, but like kind of changed some of the mechanisms. But mostly it was kind of the same idea. Yeah, there we are. Uh, but that was Shadows Over Camelot, the card game in 2012. Uh, so we're moving on. We got some more expansions for a lot of stuff. And the next one here is Relic Runners of 2013. Uh, this one is a smartly navigate routes through the jungle, discover relics and fame. This is a Matthew Dunstan game. Oh wow! Okay, I have really? not played this one. Um, it's exploration, a network and route building, pick up and deliver. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, each player takes on the roles of character keen to exploit and acquire relics. Relic runners. Uh, players must navigate a series of paths in order to visit temples. The archaeologists are restricted in their movement by their access to rations. So a lot of it is feeling a little bit of Ticket to Ride. I mean, even that board is giving me a bit of a Ticket to Ride. <laughs> a little bit. I've heard people really like this game, though. Yeah. I've I mean, never played it. Neither have I. I would gladly try it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the, now that I'm learning more about Matthew Dunstan, I really do genuinely like his designs, and the components on it look awesome. You're about to click on like uh, this little like skull totems or... Whatever, those are amazing. I <laughs> those love are those. really good looking. Yeah. And I mean, you can look at... I love that art, honestly. Yeah. And I love how that board looks. Uh, Vincent Dutrade, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm pretty sure anyway. I'm well, let's find willing out. willing to bet that that's Vincent Dutrade. Uh, no. No. Cyril Dajun and Julian Delval. What? I know. What? It looks a lot like yeah. Dutrade. It does. But look at these. Just... Look at those components. For those uh, mm-hmm. uh, audio listeners, uh, go check out the YouTube video because these components are something else. Yeah, they're really, really gorgeous. They look almost Aztec. 
Um, you have like a crystal skull, a little Aztec uh, character like sticking his tongue out at you, uh, burned of some kind. Yeah, those are awesome. These are really really cool. Uh, and it, I saw the used price for it. It's about a hundred. That's pretty reasonable. That's actually reasonable. I mean, you look ten at years old. You know, Shadows of Camelot. Yeah, that was what three hundred. Yes. Yeah, one hundred isn't too bad for. It isn't too bad, play. especially if you're a hunter. If you're a collector for these things, like our friend uh, Dom is. This, that's actually a reasonable price. Yeah, that's not bad at all. Cool. And then the next one is Bruno Cadala's real, real big one. Uh, we're going to go up map collection. There's number four now. But now we got to the big one. This one was hot when it came out. Uh, yeah, a lot I, of I still own my copy. I do have to play it. I, I own, proudly own mine still. There is, is one, five tribes. one caveat for this one, just so everybody knows. The original one had something that a lot of people were upset about, and that was the slave cards. Sure. Uh, yeah. I mean, they're telling a historical thing aspect of it. Right. There were slave cards. Now they're only print with, what are they called, fakirs? Fakirs, yeah. Yeah, and, and that's fine. I'm glad they made the change. I understand. Yeah, exactly. The original one, yeah, I get it. And they didn't want to glorify that idea that you're using slaves to, yeah. to help out with. But either way, this one, it uses a Moncala mechanism. The idea is that uh, there's a layout of six by five mm-hmm. tiles. Um, each ones are worth different points depending on which uh, which ones you get. You have uh, meeples that are grouped up in all of the different tiles. You move them along Moncala style in whatever pattern you decide to move them. And the one that you land on is first off the action you take is which meeple goes to that spot. Yeah. You take the action based on the color of meeple. Then you take the action of the tile itself. And if you were the one who removed, I'm sorry, if you land on one that has the same color, that's when you do all that stuff. Yeah. You have to do that. And then you remove those from the board. And if you remove the last one of that tile, you then gain control of the tile. Um, I'm surprised how long it's been that I've played it and how much I remember of it. Well, yeah, and it's been a while since I played it. Yeah, really standing out because of that. But then on top of that, every round, there is no first player advantage because you bid your coins or victory points mm-hmm. to try and get the better moves. So, and it has a very set system where it's like where one person lays down their piece and then anybody can go higher or lower, but the prices are already set in stone. And so you might pay like five more coins just to be like, man, I really want to get this combo. Yeah. So that's what I've been going after. It's funny because I was looking at this picture and, I, and that's why I started laughing. Is like I could tell this is a two-player game right here. Yep, yep. <laughs> two-player games because two, two of the playing against that cat here. right there. Yep. <laughs> no, I, I really do dig this one. This is probably one of my favorite uh, Cathala game, as well as my one of my favorite uh, t- uh, yeah. Days of Wonder game. Not my favorite Days of Wonder though. No. no, we're coming up on my favorite here soon. Very cool. Uh, but I do have to say this. That Moncala mechanism needs to be used more in games. Yep. I really do. That's what got me really into this. I love that whole aspect of I'm going to pull all of these, move them down the board, and then right. these are the ones that I'm going to use their fire off their power. Because there's like there's only one green here in three spaces. There's a big grouping of three over here. Right. I'm going to go ahead and go you, you, and then boom, and I'm pulling off these green meeples. Those are going to be my powers. I, I couldn't agree more. I love that aspect of it. Cool. Awesome. That was five tribes. Uh, so the next one here is I did say we're going to mention these and talk about them. Is the anniversary editions the fact that they celebrate their games that are basically their evergreens and they've uh, man it's mainly Ticket to Ride, but uh, Ticket to Ride tenth anniversary edition. This is by far 
one of the most beautiful, beautifully produced games I have ever seen. Yep. So when you have your basic Ticket to Ride game, you have your trains that are of different colors. They're all the same design, but they're different colors. The big thing about this here is that it has a giant map, which takes a, it gives you more space, but it also gives you these beautiful individual trains based on your player color. So you got like a circus train for red. Yep. With uh, giraffe heads sticking out. Yeah, the top. with a giraffe, with giraffe head sticking out. You have like this uh, barrels here for green, coal train for black. I don't even know what this is. Uh, yeah. I know it's yellow, but it's I just don't know what type of train that is. Yeah. And then a uh, subway cart for blue. And it's just, it's very well produced to the point where people really, really like that there's now a company that gives you unique design trains. Yeah. I think they're called the train company. The little plastic train company. Yeah, that you can yeah. put into your basic ticket to rides. So, and here's a nice little picture that shows you the variation of these trains. Yeah, the okay, coal so that, cart is my yeah. favorite. I love that coal cart. Yeah. I love that. No, this is my favorite right here. The the, the one with the giraffe sticking out. Yeah. <laughs> that, that makes me laugh. And so I do want to highlight the, the anniversary editions because they're very well done. This was the first ticket ride I made a mistake about, though. <laughs> really? And that's because... Oh, when, yeah, yeah, I know the when I When I knew, when I learned about this, I was very excited to buy it. So I ended up selling all of my ticket ride stuff. And I'm like, you know what? I sold my base copy because yeah. I was like, I'm going to have another base copy. I don't need two. Yeah. I found out that the that the pieces on this were way too big for any expansion map. So this, you can only play by itself, just so you know. Well, you didn't um, have to buy another base thing if you just, uh, if the t little uh, train company was still around then. True, yeah. <laughs> you guys but they the weren't. <laughs> they weren't until last year. And that That's was true. This was almost 10 years ago. They're coming up on their 20th anniversary now. Yeah, look at the, uh, that board, though. I really love this mm -hmm. new board because it's yep. massive. So you can see from your section, okay, there's Calgary, there's Chicago. Okay, I know where I got to go. Right, exactly. And I love, like, I think there was an Easter egg in one of these where it's like, where it's like, oh, yeah, it's actually over here. Like, where, they, where they're like, oh, yeah, the city, no, it's not even close, like, where, <laughs> where we have it pictured. Something to that effect. And so here's uh, one we were talking about, Onitama. There's known Arcane Wonders. I didn't pull this one up, but it is there. Uh, then you have Small World of Spiderweb. Uh, some more Five Tribe stuff. And so your Small World Designer Edition. Yep. That one was intriguing because uh, along the lines of, say, uh, Ticket to Ride Anniversary Edition, mm -hmm. this was the same thing, but it was... And I'll just pull this up right now because it was uh, like a travel box, wasn't yep. it? Yeah, it was like a wooden case that had miniatures for all of the pieces, or uh, really deluxe tiles for all the pieces. I've actually played this version. Yeah, 3D terrain for the mountains. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's very pretty, very over the but top. But it was completely so, ridiculous. and it was funny because we when it came out, we were like, oh my god, that's so expensive. But now yeah. you see that kind of price because it was like $300 yep. when it first came out. Now it's like and now that's what you see most of the Kickstarter games. Right. Now with the same production, sure. But. Yeah. But yeah, no, this was really well done. I've actually played uh, this version at Dice Tower West in 2019, and it was really neat. Yeah. Last time I played Small World. <laughs> yeah. yeah, last time. So mo keep moving up. You got some more expansions. The first expansion for Five Tribes just popped off in 2015. Mm -hmm. More Memoir 44 stuff. All right. Let's We're move over to the next page. page. Yep. yep. And more Ticket to Ride. And then here in 2016, this is you. All right, the next one is 2016 game from Days of Wonder, Quadropolis. This is their city-building game. 
This one made a big splash when it first came out mm-hmm. because of the mechanism that's in it is fantastic. Phenomenal. Every player has four little arrow tokens. They are numbered from one to four. You are placing them on any side of a four by four grid. The number that's on your tile is how many spaces inward that you take that tile from. I'm sorry, a five by five grid, not a four by four. Mm-hmm. Um, you take that tile that's that's on that space, um, assuming there is one. Mm-hmm. And then you add it to your city. Each part, each of the different tiles either gives you different kinds of uh, resources, the energy, um, red, or transparent meeples, which is the population. Mm -hmm. And you're trying to put those different tiles onto others to increase the population or provide power to those other city tiles that you'll be using uh, to gain points. Yeah. Because each one scores in different ways. Like the industry, or the, yeah, the industrial tiles, Mm -hmm. the red ones, they only score... If they have people in there yep. working, the residents are opposite. Um, parks will normally give you a, a resident um, on top of that. There are shops where you want to provide energy to, and they're going to be scoring in, in different adjacencies. Mm-hmm. There's also, a, every player has their own board, which is numbered one, one through four on the top and the side. And the tile that you take it from, if you put down with a two, you have to put it somewhere in your two row or two column. So there's a big brainy puzzle mm-hmm. that you have to figure out as you're doing that. Also, on top of it, you have a couple pawns. And by the way, the components on this, I love the clear components. Yeah. The plastic meeples are gorgeous in this. But you put down this clear uh, black pawn. Um, I, I forget what his term is. What, it's what the architect. Is. The architect, yeah. And you, the player who plays next cannot take anything from that row, row or column. Or column yeah. So thus blocking off and restricting the space even more. Gosh, I this this, this is, is my favorite for one of my favorites. This yeah. is my favorite days of yeah. game. I really, really do enjoy this one. So there, there's the player boards right here mm-hmm. uh, for those that see. And like he was saying, if you played your two, you have to put in your two row or two column. And it's like I don't really want to go here at either right. one of these because it it breaks up like my my harbors or something like right. that. And see, this is like. There was another game that came out fairly recently called Meadow that took like that general idea yeah. and and made a new game out of it. And it is a different enough game. I don't want to mm-hmm. say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you can tell it took inspiration from this. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't even hold a candle to this game, in no. my opinion. Hey, don't get me wrong. I like Meadow, but this one, man, this one fires. Uh, like I just really busted it out uh, with my uh, other game group. Yeah. And they really enjoyed it because they're like, oh my god, this is like a little puzzle trying yeah. to figure out how you're doing all this stuff. Yep. Yeah, I, I love this mechanism, that idea, the way that all the tiles work. And they're not just like, oh, these score if certain things are near it. This scores if this is if this is adjacent to that. No, it's like there are very different ways for it to work. Big and part I of think me, it's awesome. Me, big part of me wants to see if uh, Board Game Geek has a bunch of these promo stuff here. Uh, <laughs> well, we'll definitely take a look at that here in The a bit. Game Store, Trick Track, Cruise Ship, Ludifact, uh, Yard in Botanique. That's the Botanic One. Garden. Yep. Um, high Tech Factories. High Tech Factories, yeah. And then here's some more expansions. The Five Tribes. Uh, then you have Rails and Sales. Not, like I said, we're not highlighting a lot of these. This one we should talk about, though. This Rails okay. and Sales was the first one that had a double-sided board because there was two maps on it. And so it included boats. So you actually Brian. had boat cards. This, you could either have the full world map mm-hmm. or you could have the Great Lakes in the United States. Okay. Um, so you have double layer board. You had two different systems of what it was working on, and they had slightly different rules and different player counts depending on the map. Much longer routes. You can get up to I think like seven or eight trains in a single one, and okay. you had to use boats to go across water. 
Um, it was a cool idea. I didn't like it because it made Ticket to Ride twice as long. That's never a good thing. And no. here's the Great Lake one. And I liked it. It was fine, but it just you were doing just twice as much as what you would normally be doing. It didn't add any like it, it just added like another another like it's like if it's you and me you were like, Alright, let's play Ticket to Ride, but we're gonna play it twice in a row and, and add our two scores together and that's our real score. Okay. That's literally like I was very excited for it. And I got very disappointed when I bought it. Don't That's one you. of the few ticket rides I've sold. Really? Well, yes. you sold but, your base game, too. Well, I <laughs> traded for another base game. This is one of the few that left my collection I'm not getting back. Also, I do want to point out uh, First Journey as I, well. I, I do have that one pulled Great. up. Awesome. Yeah, Ticket Ride First Journey. This is also worth knowing. This is specifically a kid's version. You're mm-hmm. trying to connect the routes in a similar way, except you're not competing for points. Ever, whenever you complete a ticket... Which is connecting those two train or two cities together? Yeah, you you get to obnoxiously hold the ticket up to people and go ticket, <laughs> or you shout something at them. I forget what it is, but you get to obnoxiously go. I completed it, ah, and then you draw your next one. Which I, I love that idea. And even Alan Moon in an interview even specifically said that that one of his favorite things about this game is just the fact that like kids love that. I completed it, like the celebratory. Yeah. <laughs> Take that, and yeah, it's super silly. The components are actually really good quality. It's like a $30 version. I'm also going to so, pull up another version of it. Yeah. They, they have the U.S. version, which is the normal one, but yeah. they also have one for Europe uh, as Europe well. Europe First Journey, yeah. I highly recommend this if you have young uh, players and you want to play a game. It, it's pretty fun, honestly, to play with with kids in this game. Mm-hmm. Like It's it's by no means as a, a, next, or a next step to Ticket Ride. Um, well, I mean, it is, yeah. but it's like it's a really good introductory game for kids. And next one I pulled up uh, just recently, uh, right now, is Small World River World because this is another one of their uh, standalone expansion type mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, it kind of implements the the river aspect of Underground that we were talking about. Sure. Uh, and mm-hmm. so it's another one of those like you could take some of these characters and play it in the other games. People were really big fans of it. I just wanted to talk about it real quick. Yep. Because it is a big game. Small World is very well supported by uh, Days of Wonder. Mm-hmm. But let's get up to the next one here. Both of you me have played this one. Yes, this was kind of like Bruno Cathala's follow-up to Five Tribes. Tribes, yeah. And I say that very loosely because it's really not. It's very different. It's a very pretty game. Yes, it is um, stunningly gorgeous. But the thing is, you haven't played Five Tribes in how long? Uh, I haven't played it in probably about three or four years. Yeah, and this one is relatively new to us because we both have played it, I think, in recently, like, 2020 or so. Something like that. We played a two-player version of this game. I don't remember a thing about it. I do remember it. I I remember the action selections of, like, which tiles you're taking and which Mm -hmm. positions those get reshuffled and put on a different one. Um, I I know you're spreading the boats amongst them. You're trying to populate your boats from from left to right um, or from one side of the board to the other. You're trying to surround the islands, gaining majorities. Once you have majorities, you can gain control of them. Yep. They score in different ways. It, it's a very different game. I don't think it's too comparable, other than the fact that it's the same designer, same publisher. Yeah. And it looks as pretty, if not as much. This one was one of the first ones that I that I think people started, like... It, it wasn't... Like, it was popular, right? Yeah. And people really liked it. But I think when people started playing this, and they're like, well, it's no ticket to ride... 
It's no five tribes. I think the, I think yeah. they started jumping ship. I think this one was their last big hit until recently because right. I think everybody was clamoring for this because Cathala for one thing it didn't right. wonder people were buying it it kind of cooled off very quickly yes it did but compared to some of the other ones that we're about uh, I think it's the not the next one but the one after is yeah. where it did that one didn't even pop off right exactly yeah so people started jumping ship unfortunately which yeah I feel. um all right uh following along those we talked about that first journey yep Quadropolis expansion, Five Tribes expansion, Ticket Ride Germany, the map. More which Five is different tribes. than Markland. I think yeah. it came because this it's is so its own. Yeah. This is for the world, but yeah, it's its own thing. Right. A lot of people didn't really care much for this because everybody wanted the Markland map. Right. But, you know, yeah. give or take. Some more Oral World stuff, some Sky Islands. This add, Another one where we talked about River World and stuff like that. This added, like, the air aspect to it now. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um... And then small world, small world, small world. Uh, yeah, they had a lot of love for small world. Yep, that's right. Ticket to Ride Europe, the yep. demos, and this is the next one I wanted to pull up the highlight because they went away so, from like the big. I want to talk about the demo real quick. Okay. Because what that demo is specifically, and they and they brought that up because this will lead right into what we're talking about. They made a miniaturized version of Ticket to Ride that could be played in about five to ten minutes. And it had fewer trains, and only four four players could play it, I believe, mm-hmm. at the time, and and some of the cards. This miniature demo version of Ticket to Ride is very, very rare, hard to find, but they made this for conventions. But at the conventions, enough people asked them for it that they decided, hey, we have an idea here, but how can we justify it being miniature? Well... Go ahead and take it away. Ticket to Ride New York. These are the... I'm only highlighting New York. There is, what, four now? There's these four. Smaller ones? Amsterdam, San Francisco, and London yeah. as well. So this is basically Ticket to Ride smaller, small maps. So basically they're Ticket to Ride city stuff. Yeah. This one, you're a taxi cab company rivaling uh, other taxi cab people. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing. You're setting up connections. You're, but this one, I think they call it fares in a sense. Uh-huh. And so it's that you and me played this. We were like both, huh? Small version. All right, we like Ticket to Ride. Yeah, you and me played this bad. in ten minutes. Mm-hmm. We're like, okay, boom, 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 done. Ten minutes. Like that was it. That yeah. was so quick. These are really, really well done. Yeah. Uh, I own the London version of this set. Um, just I because own the it's first three. The, just because it was so simple to get, I picked yeah. it up on a clearance sale or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like New York. I like London. I like the London one just because it's the double-decker buses. <laughs> yes. Yeah, which is pretty great. But all in all, it's, if you play Ticket to Ride, um, you'll you enjoy this one. It's just a quicker, faster version of it. And it's like even says here, but on a scaled-down map of Manhattan that allows you to compete in a game no more than 15 minutes. We were done in 10. Yeah. Yeah, it really did go that And that's with the teach. Yeah, and that's with the teach, exactly. So we, we played it, boom, 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 done and done. Yeah, it's cool, and each one of these little cities has its own little unique little twist. twist to it. Yeah. yeah, a little twist based on this the city that it's in. Um, in New York specifically, it's like the different landmarks. You get bonus points for connecting to like you know the Statue of Liberty, you know the um, Eiffel Tower, no, not the Eiffel Tower, the, the um, Empire, State Empire State Building. Building. Yeah, the the big one, right? And so you have different ways to do that. So I I actually really like it. I do like these smaller versions, and, and they're much easier to get out because Ticket to Ride can play for a while. Yeah, it's like a good and 45 like, to an I, hour. I want to yeah. get a Ticket to Ride game in, but not yeah. spend that right. kind of time. You bust like, one of these. All right, we'll be done in 10 minutes. You've yeah. got it. 
And so this is the one that we were talking about recent. This is the next one here is what I would consider the first semi bust of uh, right. Days of Wonder. Right, and and I'll definitely be bringing that up here in a bit because I have a funny story of something that just happened recently with this game. <laughs> Uh, this is the river. Settlers build up a community along a meandering river. This is designed by Sebastian Pochon and Ismael Parin. Yeah, which, don't get me wrong, I am a huge fan of Sebastian Pochon's games. Okay. Um, almost any of his games I am willing to give a try because he made Jaipur. He made a lot of the uh, the games that we actually liked from um, from Istari games because he was a publisher okay. of Istari. So some of the ones that we played uh, recently were like, wow, that was cool. Those are Sebastian Pachon. I think Spirium is one of his. Okay. Um, so that was Simon. Uh, Spirium was Simon. <laughs> it wasn't a starry. No, no, it was, no, it was. Spirium was a starry as well. No. But but Spirium was designed by Sp- Sebastian Pachon. Okay. Is what I'm saying. And yeah, it wasn't a it wasn't Days of Wonder. What I'm saying is like so as soon as I found out that I was like oh a resource management game mm-hmm. worker placement from Sebastian Pachon yeah I'm in 100 percent and I I did enjoy it. It's it. a pretty game. Yeah. Um, so much that I wanted to get a copy. So rewind just a few days ago, right? Mm-hmm. I was like, man, you know, I would gladly get the river. It was fun. Nice and simple. Um, I found a copy at Savers. And I was like, <laughs> oh, fantastic. It was like $4. I was like, yeah, I'll gladly get it. Or three, three fifty, right? Let me guess, it's missing all, half the components. Well, so I picked it up thinking, yeah, now I can finally have it in my collection. I forgot I already had this in my collection. <laughs> I own a copy of The River already, so I technically bought a second copy, but it was missing half of its components, oh, so it's three bucks, so whatever. So I can part it out for other pieces. Yeah. But the fact that that's how memorable this game was, only five years ago did it come out, Yeah. and I couldn't remember if I owned Who it did? or not. <laughs> yeah. So now I'm questioning whether I should sell it, because I'm like, if it didn't make it, if I didn't remember I owned it... it yeah. I know. So, I, can I, I, do, I justify I, it? I do want to play it. I have wanted to try it. It's it's a very simple game. I heard, very, yeah. very simple game. I heard it's really simple. Next one on the list here is <laughs> Corinth. I, this is one I don't know anything about. It is a roll and write. I can talk a little bit about it because okay. I, I, I'm somewhat familiar with it. And it ro- re-implements Isfahan? Isfahan, yeah. Isfahan. Because I really like Isfahan, and um, that's, that is an Istari board game. And so this is a roll and write version of that game, which is really interesting because what makes it super cool is that you're drafting dice. And so you roll all these dice, you put them in order, the higher the number, the better the ability, but you're also taking, um, you can also only take like, like, uh, the one that has the most of the dice. So if, or not, you can only take that, but like you do take the, the one that has the most of the dice. So if you take the bottom action, because you put them in order, uh, six always goes on top, but then they always the rest of them fall down. Ah, okay. So if you're missing any actions, you're not you're not going to get the better of the actions, right? Yeah. But in that example that you saw, there's a bunch of threes. You could take the threes and then use them on that ability. Okay. Um, I actually really really dig Ispahan. Um, this I haven't played this yet, but I've been wanting to ever since I found out about it. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So the next one here is uh, so you have some more of the expansions. We talked about the next uh, Ride London, London, yeah. London, the War Map collection, and then their 2019 big game here. Yes, which almost no, no one, one talked about. Deep Blue. Deep Blue. Everyone kind of like played it. It was like cool. 
That's yeah. I right. I I haven't played it. So I I'm hoping that it's like super cheap on like resale value because I want to buy it. It's a hundred bucks. A hundred bucks. That's a lie because <laughs> it, because it just didn't it didn't sell. That's why. Yeah, it, it's um, really what it is. Because uh, again, uh, we were talking about it when we went and had our lunch with a company. Where uh, yep. if it has a name on it, specifically like bicycle cards or Days of Wonder, it's it's a collector's item. So yes. people are going to go mm-hmm. after it. Yep, exactly. So I mean, it's a press your luck engine building game. Like, I already love the theme. That, that I love aspect sounds luck. really good. I love engine building. It's yep. nautical, um, treasure diving. Like, it's a super fun theme. It just I know every review that we watched of this where they're like, eh, eh. because there was other nautical treasure. Press your and, luck games. And I think a around big that part time. of it too is people aren't expecting these kind of well not but these kind of games from Days of Wonder, but they're expecting more from right. something that has the Days of Wonder tag on it. Because yeah. you look at something like uh Yamatai or Five Tribes right. or Ticket to Ride, where they like these are these big old juggernauts when you have a miss, something like this. Yeah. And not to say it's a miss, but maybe if this was on any other company than Days of Wonder, it would have didn't fall as fast as right. it would if it was a Days of Wonder game. Yeah, it very well could have been. Now, I do want to point out, like, the five different player colors of boats, mm-hmm. those are the same model. Yeah. I mean, that you almost expect that differently. But you have treasure chests, you have decent components, uh, you're getting different kinds of treasures, but mostly it's just, like, a board, some pawns, and tiles. Yeah. So, who knows? It might be really good. I do want to try it. I just haven't yet. Uh, so we're going to keep moving on. We're getting near the end. Again, another mm-hmm. little one. Ticket to Ride Amsterdam, some map packs. But I, this yep. next one is one I wanted to highlight real quick. Yeah. Uh, because we saw it with um, Pandemic when they did it. They went with Wrath of the Lich King. And I think that was a Warcraft one. Uh-huh. Warcraft started jumping into um, board gaming. This one is Small World War of Warcraft. So, Which great name. Yeah. Great name. And honestly, it. it plays exactly like Warcraft. It's just that the powers are a bit different. Small world. Uh, sorry, yeah, Small World. No, it also plays kind of like Warcraft 2, because there's a mechanism in here that can change the game based on who your alignment with is with. Okay. There is a mechanism in here. So, like, if you're playing, I forget the, the Warcraft, excuse me here, just because I don't play a lot of Warcraft, but, like, there's a light side and a dark side in a sense. And so it can change the rules depending if you want to play with that variant. Um, but yeah, so you have uh, like the gnomes and they're defensive, but these are the Warcraft characters. Here's mm-hmm. some more stuff here. You have Pandarums. Uh, and so, and then the, the, the map too is a bit modular, if I remember correctly, with this yes. one. Yeah, which is uh, unlike most. Yeah, so you have like the kobolds and fishing and goblins and charming, charming and stuff like that. So they have different powers that make sense for say Warcraft. Sure, it's intriguing what they're doing. Um, I haven't played it. My buddy owns a copy of it, and I do want to try it at least to see what they did a little different compared to like normal or uh, small world. Yeah, uh, but. Yeah, not too much different. I just do, didn't want to highlight this because I thought it was kind of neat. Now, going back to the list, I do want to point out the next one that's up from there. So, 2020, we all know what happened then. It mm-hmm. was the, the lockdowns, the pandemics. Most of the world, say, uh, had specific lockdowns because we were trying to stave off the the pandemic. pandemic now, yeah. a lot of companies did stuff like this where they were like, all right, well, you know, we're not, we're not meeting. Let's just do some fun. They released a print and play version of Ticket to Ride called Stay at Home. Where you're building routes between different parts of your house. <laughs> I've printed this. 
I haven't played it yet, but I absolutely think this is one That's of hilarious. the funniest ideas. Yeah, so all you have to do is print out the map and the different ones. You'll notice the train routes uh-huh. actually have different colors on certain ones, yeah. which is unlike others that you've, yeah, you've seen. seen yeah. It's like this specific route, you need a blue, a red, a yellow, and a black, right? And that's just a funny idea. And it's like drawn out like a map of your house and stuff. Like yeah, different it's, bedrooms it's intriguing. And stuff. It's just funny, like the desk to like the, what is that, the napping corner or something. You know, like it's just, it's silly. Yeah. It's supposed to be silly. Um, so it's called Teen Ride, Stay at Home. I just want to point that out because I think that's just really genuinely funny. And going next up here, uh, we do want to highlight it again, uh, Ticket to Ride, 15th anniversary for Europe. Yep. I uh, just wanted to, again, another thing, it's not as big as the 10th anniversary is, but yeah. there is some cool aspects. You do get the, the different trains. They're not as cool as the, the newer one, yeah. or the 10th anniversary. For the USA edition. Yeah. yeah, but then you have like these cool little, tra- this is what I like, these train stations. Yeah. Because <laughs> they're, they're parked in there. Yeah, they actually <laughs> park inside of it, which is hilarious. Yeah, so I just wanted to highlight it. Same thing, Ticket to Ride Europe, but with the 15th anniversary. And now we're hitting with their newest hit after all the other little small yep. worlds, Lost Tribe, another small one. Yeah, they've been kind of quiet because yeah. in 2021 they didn't have a game. Yeah, they did they not. They didn't release one. But again, that's also partially because of the Or in 2020, of... too. Oh, yeah. yeah, so Deep deep Sea, uh, or Deep Dive, deep whatever blue. it was called, Deep Blue. That was in 2019, mm-hmm. and they didn't do it. A lot of people were really kind of concerned. Yeah, they were. It was three years without them until they came out with... Heat. Pedal to the metal. Now, you and me almost got a chance to play it. We saw the box, and they're like, yeah. oh, no, this is what we're doing for the demo tonight. And we're like, ah! Oh, <laughs> so close. So close. Uh, and, and even our friend that was with us was like, oh, yeah, it's like we're going to try it. Uh, yeah, he even requested it. He was like, yeah. hey, is this everybody playing it? Like, yeah, we're holding it for him. Rats. Oh well. Yeah, so it is kind of a deck builder, not really, but it's it's just just a straight racing game. You're just playing cards into your your system to move around the track. Um, the heat part of it's coming up is basically they're dead cards into your stack because they're yep. you're burning up your engine, and so you just want to play your card proficiently and go around these tracks to be the fastest uh, character. It's a racing yep. game through and through. It looks so good. I want to get me a copy of this. It's just been hard to find in the wild right now, yeah. um, just because it sells out so quick. This they're already on their second print run. And it's already sold out again, if I remember correctly. Right, exactly. But yeah, it looks so good. Um, I can't wait to get this played. If one of us finds it, yeah, if one of us ever gets a copy of it, we'll we'll definitely give it a try. I know we're on the lookout for it recently, but oh, it yeah. just came out this last year. So yeah, so it came out in twenty twenty two. Uh, it was real big, sold out. They did the circuit print run, which barely came out at the beginning of, I want to say, either end of May or early yeah. June, and a lot of places are already sold out of it again. Yes, so exactly. So this is, this is good for Days of Wonder, because they finally have another hit. Yes, finally. Finally. And they're, they've been massive. So they're back, people. I brought this up for you. Yep. Yeah, I was curious about this. So Ticket to Ride, the Ghost Trains. These are specific uh, custom trains um, for Ticket to Ride. Oh, no, I'm sorry. This I have mean, something different. This is a, the next kids' version yep. of Ghost Train, and it's Halloween themed. I know that's why I brought it up. I mean, look at these little trains; they're cool. Yeah, they're super adorable. They're they're, they're like, haunted houses. They're haunted houses on trains. I mean, again, if you want to play a game with kids, this is up their alley, yeah. and it's Halloween themed. And so it's Halloween themed, yeah. so kids really love that aspect of it too. Very so. much so. Yep. Yeah, uh, it's really cool. I just wanted to pull that up just for you. Let's look at the board real quick. Yeah, uh, just it's adorable. 
Yeah, you have the graveyard, the pumpkin, pumpkin patch, patch, swamp. Yeah, foggy lighthouse, the circuit. Circa if spread. I had kids, I would buy this this version specifically. Yeah, I have teenagers, <laughs> so I can't. You know, yeah, it's great. Really that. cute. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's stinking adorable, and like the train, they're good quality. I'm sure it's another thirty one, thirty dollar one. It's super worth it. Um, and then again, Northern Lights. Yeah, Ticket to Ride. Berlin. That's their newest small box, right? Yep, and they haven't released it yet, I don't yeah. think. Um, yeah, but, there's not enough ratings on it. And now we're going into the, the realms where there is, these are brand new, it's not mm-hmm. even out yet, but they just announced what their game of this year is going to be. Ticket to Ride Legacy Legends of the West. This yep. is a legacy Ticket to Ride game. Yep. And this is probably why my wife wants to play Ticket to Ride. Yeah, and so basically you're building out towards the west of yep. the board. So basically you're, as a group, competitive-wise, you're building literally out to the western United States because this time frame, um, I don't know exactly when the years are, but uh, I'm assuming... If we had to guess, it's early 1900s, Industrial uh, Revolution. It's probably late 1800s because that's when they started moving all that stuff out to the west. Yeah, it could be. Because yeah, you got the Transcontinental Railroad and stuff like that. Sure. Yep. So it's very intriguing what they're doing here. Um, I want to play this because, I mean, it looks like little puzzle pieces. So you're basically yep. going to add stuff to the board as you're going along. And so I'm liking, like, this is supposed to be where Florida's at. Yeah, so. yeah but there was a Florida box, right? Yeah. So there's different and There's different boxes. Different so you, you can kind of see, like, here's Florida, Open Range, the Badlands. I like this one. Haunted Wastes, yeah, Great Plains, Sierra Madre, Cascadia, and uh, uh, California. California. So I like everything that they're talking about. Okay, and, they look like wooden crates. That looks cool. Alan Moon, Matt Leacock, Leacock, Rob Davio. Yes. Now, here's the thing, though. Like, the, all those, just the outside of the boxes and and the... I, Wow, that was a thunderstorm or thunder there. That was odd. Um, yeah, so all of these things make sense, you know, and you're trying to complete the different tickets. I get it, but here's the thing. Um, it just looks like you're playing a short version of Ticket Ride and expanding it to a bigger version of Ticket yeah, Ride. Yeah, so 19th century, so it's 1800s. But I know, that we, we've had Rob Davio on the podcast before. He, he is a stickler for storyline. And so is Matt Leacock, from what we understand. He, they want storyline. So can you just do that with a story by itself? I don't know. Yeah, well, if they go follow the historical aspect, there's a story sure. there. Because you're pushing out towards the West in the 1800s. Right. Uh, so if they go into like the Transcontinental Railroad, maybe there's going to be something historically uh, about the Native Americans or... Maybe. Um, people losing land out in the western territories mm-hmm. because the railroads are taking over or we're yeah. not nice people because we're rail barons. It's true, right. You know, it's like if, like all the oil barons that were around and yeah. the, like the different big big names, the billionaires and stuff. I'm very curious. Um, I mean, obviously it's ticket to ride, right? You got to be resourceful. You got to build your routes. But how are you going to be able to do that in in a legacy setting? I'm very curious. I'm sure it's going to be fine. Yeah, it, it looks really intriguing. I do want to try it out. Um, it'd be really cool. Yep. And so, just so you guys know, we're filming this on the 3rd of July in uh, 2023. So that's, as of this time, that is mm-hmm. the whole gameography of Days of Wonder. This has been a fun episode. Kind of a long one, but uh, as you can see, they support their games. 
they fell off for a few minutes there. A couple years for a couple got a years. Quiet. I mean, they had one really bad uh, kerfluffle, I guess you can say. Right. And then you know, 2020, 2021, everything's starting to ramp back up. So they're like, okay, here's some games. Right. Exactly. So there you go, Days of Wonder. Uh, we hope you found this podcast interesting today. Um, you can always join us if you want to want to join us, like our friend Crate, uh, Creative Chaos, joining us on our live episode. Mm-hmm. You can filming a little off today because of the holiday tomorrow. Um, but you can join us at twitch.tv slash everydayboardgames. As well as you can find all video re-uploads on YouTube at Everyday Board Games 2020. And if you like what we do, there are three things you can do to help us grow on the platform. Subscribe if you're not, like the video, and comment down below and tell us your thoughts on the subject. As well as all audio versions can be found on most podcast platforms under Everyday Board Games Podcast. This includes Spotify, Google, Amazon Music, and Podbean. And if you want to reach out to us directly, you can email us at everydayboardgames2020 at gmail.com. And you can do so whether you want to give us ideas for future episodes, enter in possible contests that may or may not be happening, mm-hmm. um, and or just to reach out and say hi. Email us at everydayboardgames2020 at gmail.com. And with that being said, close us out. I want to thank you so much for tuning in. As always, I've been your host, Daniel. And I've been your host, Daniel. And we want to thank you for listening to Everyday Board Games. Remember, every day is a good day for board gaming.